How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live once again for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Monday, March 4th, 2018. Got a pretty good show for y'all. Going to focus a lot in on MLB. We brought back our uh, MLB specialist, Bid Bolton. Bid, say what's up to the people. What's up? Um, had to bring him back on once again. Bid's like I am with the NBA, except with the MLB. He knows everything. He could tell you probably every relief pitcher on most teams in baseball. So. <laughs> Got a lot of good stuff coming for y'all. I mean, obviously, I don't know if I talked about it or not on last week. I don't think I did talk about it last week on – or actually, I guess I did cover on last week's podcast at Harper's Sign. I'm pretty sh- pretty sure. I can't remember exactly, but, I mean, Bid, like, Man, what do you think, think here about – we finally had the pieces fall, him and Machado. That's what we've been waiting on. He got paid. I Honestly, honestly though, I can't believe he ended up in Philly. I know that once Manny signed elsewhere that the uh, possibility was really likely, but – the Dodgers offered him four years at $45 million a year. I can't believe he didn't take that. That's where he wanted to go all along. I get he wanted the security, but he would have been 30 at the end of that contract. Already $180 million made in four years. Easily makes the Dodgers the best team in baseball. He turned down a contract from the Giants, pretty similar to the one he signed. But ultimately, he did go to Philly. Um, they really loaded up. Got JT Realmuto, Gene Segura. They really loaded up this offseason, too. I think it's kind of a weird fit, but I'm a little biased, I guess, too. So Yeah, I mean, I think Harper, I mean, don't get me wrong. Harper's a great player. Obviously, his average isn't going to be there, but he's going to hit the long ball. He's a good fielder. Oh, he's going to hit 40 home runs a year in Philly with that short porch. Dude. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I agree with you. I thought he was stupid to not sign with the Dodgers. I would have taken that deal, too. I mean, that's just too good. $45 million a year, I mean. Shatters the record for average annual value. 34 is the record. And he would have gotten 45 a year. Yeah, that's just that's yeah yeah I don't I don't see how you can turn down that money. I mean, like you said, the Dodgers especially are the best for the team. team you wanted to go to from the beginning. That yeah, I mean, uh, I'm honestly I not a fan of the deal for that ten million dollar deal. I'm not. I mean, of the ten year deals, I'm not a fan of either his or Machado's deals for the teams. I just feel like we've never seen that kind of deal kind of work out. I mean, we've yeah. already seen it have effects. Like I said, kind of surprised honestly the other pieces in free agency like Keuchel. And, like, Kimbrell haven't really fallen yet. I was expecting those pieces to start falling a lot quicker than they have since these guys signed. I felt like these guys are really holding up, like, those all-star caliber players that really want the – you know, that are trying to get the most value for their money. But also, at the same time, like, I'm really surprised that just – how that everything went down, you know, like the fact that Philly loaded up this much in the offseason just like compared to the Braves and these I mean, others. they said they wanted to spend stupid money and $330 million plus extending Aaron Nola plus signing David Robertson. That They spent stupid money. They yeah. did what they said they were going to do. And it, the Aaron Nola extension, they got him for really cheap too. So that was probably the smartest money that anybody spent mm-hmm. in all of this offseason because that dude – that's going to be a Cy Young contender. He's one of the best uh, pitchers in baseball. Right? Absolutely. And he's young, too. they got to move Reese Hoskins back to his regular position as well. I also, <laughs> also like another thing I think that's really come from all this is, I mean, we already saw it have effects on other players' contracts, not in the sense of free agency, but in the sense of Arenado getting that extension. I mean, he got what was – he's making, what, like yeah, 32? Eight, uh, eight years for 260. Yeah, so, so he 32 a year. So, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, teams are definitely going to have to start spending. I mean, unfortunately, the way we're moving, I mean, the Braves will probably see them have to give Acuna a similar – Oh, he's uh, – Ronald, at the pace that he's on, if they don't extend him soon, like within the next 
year or two, he might end up making four hundred million dollars. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, like we can see now. If basically, if you're a top ten player in baseball and top three at your position, you're going to get that kind of money. I mean, I wouldn't say Bryce Harper necessarily is top three at his position, but just the name and the weight that he, he carries in baseball, all the potential that he has, he mm-hmm. could potentially burst onto the scene in Philly, and he could be one of the best players at that position. Yeah, like I still stand by the fact that I think Bryce Harper hadn't played the best baseball of his career yet. Like, I yeah. agree with that. See, like I feel like every single year from Bryce Harper looking forward to move it up, get a little bit better as the season goes on. So I could see him playing better baseball as it goes on. Overall, I mean, I don't think the Padres can really compete, though, paying that kind of contract on the Machado side of things. I mean, the division they're playing is way they, too stacked. Yeah, they're still a couple years away. They've got guys like uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. He's about to be one of the best players in baseball, but mm-hmm. he's not going to be up till probably midseason. Shortstop, right? Yeah, and then uh, mm-hmm. Luis Urias over at second base, but they don't have any rotation to speak of at all. Joey Lucchese is their number one. Do you even know who that is? No, I was about I to say. I barely know who that is. <laughs> yeah, you barely That's their number one. <laughs> so that – I think they're still a little ways away. They're gonna have to make some waves in uh, the off season next year. They do year. have. I'm, so. Correct me if I'm wrong, but don't they have the number two farm system behind ours, or do they surpass us? Uh, for number they one? passed us now because most of the guys for the Braves that were uh, top tier have already like graduated. Akuna, guys like yeah. Ronald Acuna. So yeah, so I mean they have a great roster and every. I mean they, they they definitely have potential. I mean when you pay a guy for ten years, it's not a win now oh, yeah. contract. That's kind of like a yo, like let's see what we're gonna do here in the next. And I think years. that's a great fit for Manny too. I like that one a little bit better than the fit for Bryce Harper because uh, Manny obviously he's gonna he wants to be the guy and in San Diego he can be. They gave Eric Hosmer that big contract. Mm-hmm. So far hasn't gone the way they wanted. But Manny Machado is clearly their guy. He's going to be the guy that sells tickets. He's going to be the guy hitting in the middle of that lineup. And with, at the money he's making, I agree with you that these long-term deals never seem to work out. But he's only 26. so Yeah, 36 when it's up. It's... Yeah, when it comes to Harper and Machado, I think that's what makes it a little bit different. I don't know how the last few years of those contracts are going to turn out. But it's better than signing a guy like uh, – I think A-Rod's second big contract, he was already about 30 years old, and he was making $250 yeah, but also the, kinda, Yeah, the flip side of that is A-Rod can play DH over in the AL, you know, I rather mean, than the NL. You got 10 years from now, the DH will be here. They're talking about it right now in the next CBA. So they're talking about it as early as 2020. It could be there in the National League, which I think the Phillies and Padres both, I think that really impacted this. I don't know if they would have gone that far. If they didn't know that that would, yeah, be that's a that's a very valid point you make. I personally hate that. By the way, if they change that, I like kind of how that's always been the difference in the NL and the AL. You know, is the DH position. So yeah, I'm kind of torn on it. I'm kind of since Bartolo's retiring, it's starting to grow on me. But <laughs> I mean, it's kind of it's going to be different, and it's I, I don't really know how I'm going to feel about it until I see it in action. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I mean, it definitely is going to be weird. What do you? So let's uh. Talk here some free agents now. Who do you think are the best available players left on the market, and where do you think uh, they'll I think, go? I think there's two guys left on the market that are head and shoulders above everybody else that's left out there, and that's Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel. And I think with uh, the uncertainty with A.J. Minner's shoulder and Rodas Vizcaino's shoulder, I think the Atlanta Braves could really use uh, Craig Kimbrell in the back end. Absolutely. They've got a talented young bullpen, but they've got a really inconsistent bullpen, and they Kind of battling injury right now. I think that Kimber will be a great fit there. But Washington's in on him. Philly's in on him. Minnesota's in on him. Cy Young winner Blake Snell from Tampa Bay came out publicly the other day saying, we haven't spent any money. Our payroll's $50 million. Go sign Craig Kimbrell. Basically telling them that that's exactly what he wants. So I guess mm-hmm. you got to throw Tampa Bay in the mix because they've got the money available. But uh, 
they don't want to pay him a long-term deal after he kind of fell off in the second half last year. He didn't have the best uh, postseason. He was seeking six years at $100 million. I think he's going to have to settle for uh, a three-year. Maybe somebody will give him a four-year deal, but I thought the only team that would do that was Philly. And now that they paid Bryce all this money, I don't know if they'll yeah. want to go that far. I mean, they've said that they want to try to go out and spend the money, but I mean, I agree with you. that like, If they if they give Kimbrell his money, it's too big of a deal. Yeah. What I think that also with Keuchel, like, he's the kind of guy from a Braves fan perspective that I would want to see go to Philly. If I'm paying top dollar – to a number one pitcher, I want someone who's going to have like that overpowering, like you know, he'd be able to hit the hundreds. Yeah, Dallas Keuchel's a mid-rotation starter with a Cy Young, and he's trying to use the Cy Young to leverage himself into getting paid like an ace. And he's not an ace. He's he's not a bad pitcher. Don't get me wrong. He's not an ace. I mean, um, I, yeah, I would still say he's like a top 20, 25 pitcher, I don't but know I don't give him that. Geez, I mean, I would I would put him like in the upper 20, 25 area. But like I, I agree with you. Like I wouldn't pay him that big of money. If I mean, if I was one of these teams trying to make a playoff push, I might be willing to be like, all right, Dallas, we'll give you like a two-year, forty million dollar type deal. You know, like give him some big money for two years. I mean, same thing with Kimbrel. Like I feel like if you don't want to be locked in at one of those huge deals, you can go out and give him like a couple. Like I feel like those are good moves. But I feel like these guys don't. I mean, if you're a pitcher, like your arm, you know, anything can happen with your arm, and you can instantly go from being highly valued having no value one team that i really think should look into dallas keichel's milwaukee brewers though uh, yoli's chassin's their number one starter right now yeah. they really need to bolster that rotation if they want to get back to the playoffs because a lot of guys had career years for them last year mm-hmm. they can't lean on christian yelich in that bullpen all year long they're going to need some help yeah we've even seen like when the braves had the eventual combo with their bullpen those guys get tired if they have to come in mm-hmm. every single night and bail you out they can't do it every single night or they'll be tired by I mean, before you shit, even before yeah. August, they'll yeah, be Yeah, look died. what happened to Johnny Venters after that, too. He was out from pretty much 2015 to 2018, dealing yeah. with different surgeries and all these different injuries in his arm. So, I mean, that's the type of thing. Do the, do the Brewers want to risk that, giving Josh Hader two innings, at, pretty much two innings every game, giving Jeremy Jeffers all this time? Mm-hmm. They're going to need to kind of take some pressure off of them, and I think they really need to – bolster that rotation. I think Madison Bumgarner would be a good fit up there too, but I don't think the Giants are going to move him till midseason. Yeah, I think that he's more one of those guys. Like, See, that's what I've been saying about the Braves too. We can talk a little Braves in here since I know that obviously Bid's on the grounds crew, so he's 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 involved with the Braves like I am with the Hawks. Obviously, I'm still a huge Braves fan too, but I mean, from a Braves perspective and looking at everything, I mean, I feel like that we're probably going to end up making a trade is going to have to be our move. I don't think we're going to go out and spend money at this point. I mean, like you said, there's not really even that many guys left in the market. Maybe look at Adam Jones. But basically the point is that I'm trying to make here is that the Braves are pretty much an injury to Josh Donaldson. Look, I want to be as positive as possible, but Josh Donaldson gets hurt every single year. It's going to happen. He's going to hit the DL at one point this season. Let's hope it's for like 20 games max or something small like that. But... I mean, he's probably going to get hurt. We're basically a Josh Donaldson injury from having that same squad. I mean, talking about Josh Donaldson, though, the main problem he's had the last couple of years is with his calf, and that's mainly been because of playing on the turf in Toronto. Like, you saw him when he went to Cleveland at the end of the year last year. He looked good. He looked completely back to normal. And this is a guy that from 2013 to 2017, the only player more valuable than he was in the entire major leagues was Mike Trout. Dude was averaging about 35 home runs. He was averaging about 900 OPS. And wins above replacement-wise, like I said, only Mike Trout was ahead of him. I get the point, though. If he does get hurt and miss significant time, that really hurts the Braves. However, Gilhan Camargo showed what he could do last year, and he's still getting better. And Austin Riley's not too far away. So, I mean, he's got to cut down on the strikeouts a little bit. but He's young. He, he yeah, will. he's young. He looks pretty good. Um, he's got a ton of potential. He worked with uh, Chipper Jones, Albert uh-huh. Pujols, all these studs in the offseason. 
and Albert Pujols really works with him on his legs, trying to get him to unlock even more power. And he's already got some pop. So the more you work with Albert Pujols, that, that always seems to be a pretty good sign. Oh, yeah, for sure. And see, I'm glad I brought this up to you, Bid, because I like how you got the positive mindset. <laughs> you know, you're like, nah, this is exactly, you know what I mean? Like, that's exactly what I wanted to hear when thinking about this. But I mean, I agree with you. Josh Donaldson is an MVP. I also feel like that playing for Atlanta can kind of re energize him because, I mean, he's kind of been rotting out there in Toronto. Oh, and let's yeah, be he's honest, back like, winning team. like, playing out in Canada is not the same as it is playing in America, <laughs> you know? So, like, he's back. Yeah, he's back with the winning team. I mean, he's an Auburn guy. He's from Florida. So, I mean, he's kind of in the same, oh, same yeah. stomping ground, same area. So, I mean, Hey, if Donaldson comes out and plays like MVP level Josh Donaldson, the Braves are going to have a murderer's row. Yeah, I mean, the Braves have three potential MVPs, and they could be hitting one, two, three in the lineup potentially, too. Yeah. And I mean, you look at the other guys in, in this division, though. You've got some of the best arms in baseball Max Scherzer, Aaron Nola, Jacob DeGrom. The list just goes on. Syndergaard, yeah. Syndergaard, Corbin, Strasburg. You can just keep on going there. Um, this division's going to be really tough. But the Braves, with these three MVP caliber guys, they really need them to be just that. They need them to put up MVP numbers. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I like it. You know, give me out of all these pitchers. So we got all these pitching prospects. Obviously, Tukey's been up in the MLB a lot. But out of all these guys who kind of been in the minor leagues, we don't know as much about. Which one of them do you think can come up and make a big impact for this team this year in the starting rotation? Honestly, and I know that we have seen him some in the past, mm -hmm. but he's kind of gotten he's kind of been forgotten about because he's been working out of the bullpen a good bit. But Max Freed, this is a guy that he was the uh, key to the Justin Upton trade. Mm -hmm. This guy. When he got drafted, he was drawing uh, comparisons to Clayton Kershaw. He's got throws low to mid nineties from the left side, sitting ninety three ish. He's got an absolute hammer for a curveball, best one in the system. Maybe Tuki would might uh, Tuki might argue that, but uh, <laughs> you know he's got he's got a bunch of talent. He can put it all together this year. Uh, Freddie Freeman's been going around saying he's that's his number one guy, and I trust Freddie's judgment. I, I yeah. actually said a while back. Um, Right before Freed debuted, I thought he would be the premier pitcher in baseball in a couple of years. And I'm not sure. I don't want to go that far right now because he's been mm -hmm. battling all these pinky, uh, not pinky, uh, blister problems, and he cut his pinky the other yeah. day. He's got to figure out how to get that release right without doing that. But at the same time, that's a fluke thing, and I don't know if that'll just go away. Because you look at other guys across the league, like he worked with Rich Hill for the Dodgers this offseason. They're pretty similar pitchers, and Rich Hill's been battling that same thing all his career. He's going to have to keep that at bay, but if he does, he can make a huge impact. And Luis Gohara, too. Yeah, he had a lot of family problems last yeah, year, right? His, his dad died. He went back home to be with his mom. She was having heart problems. He, had, he hit the bottle pretty hard. He was drinking every day. He was mm -hmm. eating everything in sight. But he stayed up. He worked in Florida all year, he, um, or all offseason anyway. He dropped about 40 pounds. He looks great right now, but like so many other young Braves pitchers right now, he's just dealing with some soreness. Like the shoulder with him, with Soroka, with Kevin Gossman, Mike Fultonevich's elbow. Uh, so they're going to have to get that figured out. But at the same time, it's early spring training. This happens. A lot of guys deal with that soreness. But uh, Gohara's in good shape. This could be – he could make a huge impact. Yeah, I like that. You know, like I feel like it's time now that we see some of these young guys start to develop into improve something. I mean, obviously, it's just like any other sport. You're going to get these guys with all this potential, all these prospects. Some are going to be duds. Some are going to have the studs. Pains, yeah. too. They're not going to hit the ground running. Not everybody's going to do what Ronald does. Yeah, not year. everybody comes up so. and is. Yeah, and that's what I try to tell people with Trey Young and with all these other guys. Like, not everybody's ready just game one yeah, to Trae be an Young MVP. Trey Young right now is doing pretty much the same thing that Ronald did last year. He's yeah, kinda, he's kind of flashes of all his talent at first. 
all-star break comes, and then boom, takes off. Yeah. So we'll see how the rest of the NBA season goes, but Trey has a lot of similarities to the year that Ronald just Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we, we can, we'll get to that later. Trust <laughs> me, guys. We got more on that coming for y'all later on. Uh, now, I know we wanted to talk a little bit about some MLB offseason like, transactions that you liked. Give me uh, the first one you got on your list here. Uh, I got JT Realmuto to the Phillies on there. Realmuto, obviously, he's the best catcher in baseball right yeah. now. Uh, Everybody Contreras could potentially come up and be just as good. I mean, he had a down year in Chicago last year, but he was on his way to being the best in the bigs uh, before that. But, I mean, a lot of teams were close. The Braves were really close, but I think it ultimately came down to Derek Jeter – loves Sixto Sanchez, Philly's top uh, pitching prospect. So that's, in the end, that's what got the deal done. Um, like I said, a lot of teams were in on him, Braves, Dodgers, a lot of really good contending teams. So he could really make a difference in the National League. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with you there. I mean, like you said, pretty much everybody in baseball was in on him. He was rotting down there, finally. They got what they wanted. Yeah, the I last mean, one. Yeah, I would have loved to have him as a Braves fan, but at the same time, the asking price I think was a little too steep. Yeah. So I couldn't really, like you know, I couldn't really part ways with what we would have had to part ways with what they wanted. So I mean, I agree with you completely there. I mean, I've, the Phillies went out and did everything. I mean, like the Segura trade too. I mean, yeah. I really Gene Segura is a guy I really like. I mean, he's a great player. They may, I think thought they made a great move there trading for. I mean, like we said, I mean, the Phillies made a lot of transactions this offseason. Yeah, and they went out and got David Robertson to fortify that bullpen too. And they're still keeping tabs on Craig Kimbrell. If he's going to sh- uh, sign a short term, my bad, short term deal. He's got pretty much anybody in on him. But the thing is, if he's trying to hold out for this long-term deal, I don't know if anybody's going to give it to him. But it could come down to a bidding war on a short-term deal between the Braves, Nationals, and Phillies, thinking that he may put them over the top in the division. Because those are the three teams uh, in on him the most right now. Yeah, and at the end of the day, if you're the Braves, you have to say we've kind of been conservative, spending our money all free agency. It's time to go in and cash out and yeah. get, get that arm in there. Because, I mean, if the Braves can fortify the bullpen, I mean, that was really our weakness we had all last season was the bullpen. I mean, if we can go out there and fortify that bullpen, and it's real serious, especially if you got a guy like Kimbrell in oh, there yeah. who's and experienced I mean, before in Atlanta. Bullpen had talent, but they were uh, guys were just getting overused. It would get to a point where Brian mm-hmm. Snicker would just trust a couple, only a couple guys at a time. Like you saw Sam Freeman before his arm fell off. He was doing really good, and then all of a sudden, he went two months, he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball. One of the DL for his shoulder, came back, didn't allow a run the rest of the year. Dan Winkler, Jesse Biddle, all these guys pretty much the same way. Yeah. So they've got talent, but they need that guy in the bullpen. And Darren O'Day is coming back, too, from injury, the guy mm-hmm. they got him in the Gossman trade. If he's coming back from injury, he should make a big impact. But I still think Craig Kimbrell is needed with the way that Rodas Vizcaino and A.J. Minner's shoulders are kind of question marks right now. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Who else do you have on your list for big uh, impact free agents? Uh, oh, free agents, uh, let's see. A.J. Pollock, he's only played more than 140 games once in his career, and he signed a five-year, $60 million deal with uh, the Dodgers. But that one year that he did play over 140 games, played 157 in 2015, and he was, I think, fourth in the MVP voting. He was one of the best players in baseball. Yep. And if he's healthy, that's just another star for uh, L.A., and he might make them the team to beat the National League if they weren't already. And even last year, like you were saying, when he was healthy at the yeah, beginning of the first season? half of the year, he was MVP caliber yeah. guy again, and then he just kind of hit a wall. He started dealing with some nagging injuries, and he just hit a wall and fell off in the second mm-hmm. half. And Arizona, too, I mean, it kind of resembled their whole season. They started mm-hmm. out the season really hot, and they went downhill. Obviously, they traded, they, Goldschmidt. Yeah, and they traded Goldschmidt at St. Louis. Yeah, I didn't— that's one thing. I don't get what they were really trying to do this offseason. I thought that when they traded Goldschmidt, that definitely meant that Peralta was out the door, Grinky was out the door, Robbie Ray was out the door, but they just kind of stood pat after that. They had a bunch of trade chips, mm-hmm. 
but they decided to hold on to him. And I guess they think they can compete, but I mean, to me, I think they're pretty easily behind LA, and I think they're behind Colorado as well. Yeah, I mean, do you th- I feel like the National League is kind of, once again, how it was last year, where it's kind of like a murderer's row in all yeah. these divisions. Where, I mean, if you look at the West, you got um, you got Colorado, like you said. Who was the big addition Colorado made in the offseason? Uh, Daniel Murphy. Yep. They got uh, Mark Reynolds, too. I like I like the fit out there. He's a They signed him on a minor league deal, but he's the power's legit. And playing exactly. at Coors Field, I mean, I don't know what else he's going to add, but he's going to hit his uh, fair share of home runs. Yeah, and he's had experience playing there, too, as he's oh, yeah. played in that division with Arizona, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he played in Colorado. Yeah, I was about to say, didn't he? in Colorado, too. Um, yeah, he played there 2016 and 17, so yeah. he's he's back again. I mean, he hit he hit uh, 30 home runs his second year in Colorado. So that's I mean, the, thing. He's, the power's legit. That's mm-hmm. about he's a pretty one dimensional guy at this point in his career. That's about all he's got left. But playing in Colorado can uh, tap into a little bit more power. Playing kind of part time, he might hit 20 home runs off the bench. Yeah, and that'd be big. I mean, especially him coming in in, in late games to pinch mm-hmm. hit and stuff with the pop he's got in his bat. So, I mean, that's big. I mean, you got – but, I mean, you also got out there. You got uh, – I mean, San Francisco is going to be competitive somewhat. You've obviously got the Dodgers. So, I mean, the Dodgers and the Rockies are going to battle it out. Then the Central, you got the Cubs. You got the Brewers. Brewers you got the, the Cardinals. The are going to be even better this year, too, with adding Paul Goldschmidt. They already exactly. got uh, young outfield with guys like uh, Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill, and they have Marcelo Zuna, too. And mm-hmm. don't forget about Dexter Fowler. He's been kind of iffy since he went yeah. to St. Louis. He's probably – he'll probably be out the door, but – do you think they paid Dexter know. Fowler that contract because they wanted him or because they wanted to take him from the Cubs? Uh, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Because like, he did look really good with Chicago. He was uh, leading off for them, getting on base, hitting mm-hmm. more home runs than he had otherwise in his he career. He was really so. good, too, in that World Series. Yeah, and, you know, he, like, he really showed out for Colorado or Chicago, and I think that really was a big big reason why St. Louis signed him. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of the odd man out up there now, too, because they have uh, Joe's – Jose Martinez, I almost said Joseph, I'm talking soccer for a second. <laughs> they have Jose Martinez, who's uh, now going to be playing in the outfield as well, now that Paul Goldschmidt's at first. Yeah. So I think Dexter Fowler's probably the odd man out. I don't know what they're going to do with him, but, I mean, that's a good team up there in St. Louis, and they're going to be much better this year than they were yeah, last they, year. Yeah, they missed the playoffs by one or two games. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it was a tight. It was literally like a tight race. I mean, the fact the Cubs lost that play-in game and they lost again the wild card. Like, yeah, that was tough. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the, It's going to be tough. I mean, even what do you think about the Mets, like all the additions they made? Do you think anything, uh, anything Mets, to worry about there? Or? The Mets already seem to be in midseason form with Brandon Nimmo eating undercooked chicken and getting sick on <laughs> this time. He claims it was a virus since then. His wife said, oh, he didn't undercook that chicken. He's a vi- it was a virus. He plays for the Mets. He undercooked that chicken. We all know it. But uh, if they stay healthy, which is a huge if, then they'll be competitive in that division too. There's four different teams in that division that could easily, like one through four in that division could pan out any way imaginable. Like Miami's going to end up in the cellar, obviously. They may not win 40 games in that division because it's going to come down to whoever wins the most mm-hmm. interdivisional play in the NL East, and <laughs> damn sure it won't be the Marlins. Yeah, I mean, the Mets have gone out. They brought in Jed Lowry. They obviously acquired Cano. I mean, they're trying to make plays here. Adam Diaz in the back end, too. He might be the best closer in baseball. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they're making moves, but I think one thing that's going to end up hurting them is Yoannis Cespedes not being able to stay healthy. Yeah. I mean, they still haven't even said when he's going to come back from that heel injury. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to play this year at all. Anything he adds is just going to be icing on the cake. But they've got Brandon Nimmo and Michael Conforto in that outfield, too, so they can – they can pull uh, pull their weight, and with the trio of uh, Jacob Degrom, Noah Syndergaard, and uh, Zach Wheeler in that rotation, they're not going to give up too many runs. But 
We're going to see how that offense does. Cano returning from suspension, too. See if Jed Lowry can uh, – Jed Lowry was an all-star for the first yeah. time last year. So we'll see if and he he's, can build And Jed on Lowry, that. like, that's kind of disrespectful. as his first time making yeah, all-star I mean, team. He, he's been, he, he has had another uh, – probably there were one or two other years there where he probably did deserve it. Yeah. But he just kind of – he hasn't really gotten the love that he's deserved. And he's been a little injury-prone. He know, has always. been injury-prone, which makes him a good fit for the Mets, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also think Conforto, like, it's kind of that year for him. He's one of the he's Mets more coveted out. prospects. Like, he that. needs to either break out. I drafted him last year in fantasy thinking he would, didn't work he out. He did so. in the second half, though. I, I yeah, think he, he's he gonna, I think better. he's going to build on that, and I think he's going to be a 30 home run guy for them this year. OPS probably in 8, 850 range. Mm -hmm. Playing playing better defense if they'll be able to move him to a corner. Because uh, last year, playing him in center field, he looked a little over his head. But he's not a bad outfielder defensively if you put him in a corner. But like I said, center field, he's just... Yeah. Mm. Any uh, acquisitions you want to touch on here in the AL before we move to a little basketball? Not that I can think of. All right, the like, AL is kind of quiet. This that's what season. I'm saying. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, a lot of those teams had big payrolls, lots of big money already locked yeah. up. I think that – I don't know how good – I feel like the, the AL Central is going to be a little bit more up for grabs. I think the Indians kind of lost some pieces. Yeah, but the, the same Indians' bullpen kind of fell off, but they seemed to stop there. They extended Carrasco. There are all the rumors about Kluber and Bauer, yeah. but they held on to them. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion is now in Seattle. But, I mean, I think this is still their division to lose, but you never know what the Twins are going to do either. Nelson Cruz actually to Minnesota. That is one that I want to talk about and almost forgot. He may make a difference there because they've got guys like Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton who are huge bounce-back candidates who could put them right in Horrible that divisional race. seasons last year. Both of them nightmare seasons last year. Sano worse than Buxton because he had dealt with some off-field off the field issues as well. Yeah. But, I mean, if they bounce back and Nelson Cruz hits 40 home runs for them, they could, uh, they could push Cleveland. I still think it's the Indians' division to lose, but – Twins do have a shot. It's not they're not going to run away with it the way they did. Yeah, I agree with you, and that was kind of what we were waiting on. Also, like you said, with Machado and the Macharper, they almost were the same thing for a while. With Machado, with the White Sox, was I mean, if he went in there, he could kind of maybe land a few more pieces. Yeah, and, shaking that up. Yeah, but I mean, to your point earlier, talking about how the guys teams just don't want to spend money, and how the, these long contracts never seem to work out. MLB posted a graphic earlier with the largest contracts by position, and pretty much none of them panned out. I mean, Joe Maurer was great. He signed that deal, and he, I don't know if he had a home run in 10 years since. <laughs> Maybe averaging like 10 home runs a year. He just wasn't, he was just a shell of the guy he once was. Miguel Cabrera has been injury prone. A-Rod, he lived up to it until the steroids caught up to him. Manny Ramirez lived up to it. But Matt Kemp flopped. Manny Machado, jury's out. Bryce Harper, jury's out. Robinson Cano. Like Just like A-Rod, the steroids got him. He's still been a good player, but he hasn't been the guy in Seattle that he was in New York. And now that he's going back to New York, we'll see what happens. But these guys that have signed these big deals, they haven't really panned out. So, I mean, we'll see. Like I said, Bryce and Manny, both 26, so it'll be a little bit better for them. They're in a better mm -hmm. position than some of these other guys were. But it's, it's an uphill battle. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be fun to watch. Um, me and Bid will talk MLB here again in a couple weeks once spring training, everything's over, kind of give you all our predictions and outlook for the MLB season, so be on the lookout for that. But let's move here now to a little NBA. Um, we'll talk about our young Hawks here in a little bit, but, I mean, first got to talk about the Lakers here. And, I mean, <laughs> the I Lakers. you all can't see it, but I'm shaking my head right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're both shaking our heads right now. I mean, Look, I'm I'm big into handicapping the NBA. Like I'm love betting on the NBA. It's my favorite sport too. 
Um, the Lakers have a lot of problems. So on Saturday night, I know I, my thing, like I told y'all, what we were going to do is we were going to fade the Lakers against bad teams and then against good teams, we were going to ride them. Well, that line against the Bucks is a joke, and that's why I said that was the easiest bet ever to bet all, everything you got on the Bucks and more. But against the Suns the next night, the Suns were the worst team in the NBA on back-to-backs. Like, all the stats were against the, against them, and they Lakers got embarrassed. Like, I've, it was, like the Lakers lost. They've been having – it's not even like they've been losing good teams. They've been getting absolutely embarrassed. Yeah, like I mean, you, when the Kings throwing the ball off the backboard on an inbound pass, you've got some problems. Yeah, I mean, over the last 15 games, the Lakers have the most turnovers in the league – they're 29th in point margin. I mean, they're not taking care of the ball. They're playing sloppy. They look uninterested. LeBron's walking around on the court. I mean, me and Ben, literally before we even started the podcast, we were talking about it, and we got right down to the problem. The problem is that LeBron is all in on the brand of LeBron James. He doesn't give a damn about the brand of the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, he can't have his way. He can't have his coach out. He looks uninterested. I've never seen LeBron look so uninterested. Yeah, he's just standing around on defense. He's still averaging about 27 points per game. He's just standing around on defense. He looks kind of lost at times and he's just blaming the young teammates for everything he doesn't care about them yeah this is like you look at the teams that he's had in the past he's cared about his teammates and it's been a team that he wanted to win with he doesn't want to win with this team he wants to win in la don't get me wrong but he doesn't want to win with this team he wants to get these guys out the door and he wants to bring in some of his boys in free agency i don't know how that'll go but that's what he wants to do. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's like he wants to blame Luke Walton. I think LeBron is 100% to blame. I mean, he tried to trade the whole freaking team, mm-hmm. and now they don't want to play with him. Who can blame him? If I mean, I'm LeBron, Brandon Ingram, I'd be like, screw you, yeah, LeBron. I mean, I'm worthless to you. And like, they know LeBron's the most powerful guy in the NBA, yeah. too. That's why he gets away with all this tampering that nobody else gets away with. Exactly. It's LeBron's way or nobody's. And I mean, I can't blame the players for not wanting to play with them. I mean, this is embarrassing. Like, these losses they've been having are absolutely embarrassing. If I'm LeBron as a basketball player. Like he said, I'm not used to losing like this. Well, it's your fault, LeBron. It's kind of like, that he's just sulking and pouting. Like when you yeah. saw him sit at the end of the bench, I thought it was kind of funny how the Rockets clowned him the next night when they <laughs> left PJ Tucker on the end of the bench alone. Like, it, I think it's funny, honestly. I mean, here's a hot take for you. I don't think LeBron's the best player in the NBA anymore, straight up. I mean, I think Kevin Durant and Giannis are both better than him at this point. If you look at their teams talent wise, Giannis's team shit, I mean, they're about as good as LeBron's is, but Giannis is winning games and getting it done. LeBron and the Lakers looked good at the beginning of the year. The chemistry and everything was there. Ever since that Rich yeah, Paul Anthony bomb. Da- they started talking about the Anthony Davis trade and LeBron trying to push everybody out the mm-hmm. door for him. And, I mean, LeBron's more concerned about the LeBron brand. He's got the shop. He's in Space, Space Jam 2. He's got Blaze Pizza. All he's about is business now. He's got all these tweets about that, and then he goes right in front of the cameras and says, oh, well, it's not my fault. My teammates just... They suck. They don't want to play. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's kind of funny how he's supporting Antonio Brown so much because I mean they're basically <laughs> the same player at this point. LeBron and Antonio Brown are literally the same person Antonio right now. Brown has CTE. That's the only difference between Antonio and LeBron. <laughs> I don't know. LeBron looks like he might have it too, but I mean, <laughs> my other point too, in being that I don't think that LeBron's the best player in the world anymore is I mean like look at LeBron. We never seen LeBron get injured and sit out for that long. Yeah. I know that a lot of people talked about it. But I mean he's old now. Yeah, His body can't recover. Wrong for sure with LeBron. I don't know if it's injury. I don't know if it's mental but something is wrong with LeBron James right now. This isn't the strive for greatness LeBron we've seen in the past. This isn't the king. This is just another former superstar at this point. And I don't think he's going to remain like that. Don't get me wrong. I think next year if he does get some of his guys in, I think he's going to have another great year. But right now, playoff mode activated. Yeah, right. Yeah, LeBron either – yeah, that is not playoff mode activated. LeBron either needs – he needs – I think he honestly he said playoff mode activated – he's trying to motivate and pull everybody together. I mean, LeBron needs like... You, he's don't, like, you don't motivate people by just putting all the blame on your teammates when you're not giving 100%. If you're going out there and you're only giving 50% and then going in front of the cameras blaming your teammates for all the problems you're having, 
You're not motivating him. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I don't think any free agents really want to play with LeBron. I mean, that's another topic for another day, but I mean, I just don't really think anybody wants a part of it after they've seen the disaster. I think that this best compares to that movie where there's the star, the guy who's kind of like, you know, slept on the entire movie, then all of a sudden he becomes all big and powerful and forgets about everybody, you know, and blows him off, and then at the end of the movie he has to go back and apologize to him and kind of eat it. I feel like that's what him and the Lakers need, but honestly, you know, it's, there might it's, be There might be a sequel, and LeBron might get some of his guys in there. Yeah. Like, I know you said you don't think that Kyrie will ever want to play with him again, but you remember that phone call he had a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. You know Kyrie doesn't look like a leader in Boston right now either. So Kyrie being a sidekick, that really worked for him. That's what worked the best for him, and that worked the best with LeBron too, having Kyrie as a sidekick. So if he does go to L.A., which I still think he probably ends up in New York, but if he does go to L.A., then we may not have seen the last of LeBron James dominating. Yeah, I mean, that is true. He could go there. My biggest thing is, though, I think without Anthony Davis, nobody goes there. Just because, I mean, think about a team where you have Lebr- have old LeBron on the floor, clearly not the defensive presence he used to be. Then you have Kyrie Irving. I mean, I love Kyrie Irving. He's not a defensive presence, period. Kyle Kuzma. I mean, Kyle Kuzma's defensive ratings are if horrible. If he's even there next Yeah, year. exactly. So, I mean, basically. You don't know who LeBron's going to push out the door next. Exactly. So, I mean, I feel like it's that. But I feel like this the season's over for the Lakers. They will not make the playoffs. I think the Kings are much better than them. I personally don't think the Clippers are that good. But, I mean, I think the Clippers are going to kick Clippers their ass tonight. Yeah, yeah, I think they're going to blow them out tonight. So, I mean, the Lakers, I think it's pretty much done there. Uh, Another team who's kind of resembles the Lakers right now is the Celtics. Obviously, they're not going to fall out of the playoff race. But as of right now, they are tied with the um, 70 – or not tied. They're a game behind the 76ers or two games behind them in the five slot. I mean, we're not going to talk about this matchup necessarily because you all know I still think the Celtics will win this matchup with this. But, I mean, what do you think is wrong with the Celtics bid? Kyrie. Plain and simple. I think Kyrie's just Kyrie trying to lead them. He's not a leader, plain and simple. And uh, Gordon Hayward, he's proven to be the biggest bust in NBA free agency history. He was he got hurt, he came back, and now he can't play. Mm-hmm. They need these young guys to take this step up, but they can't really do that right now because Gordon Hayward's blocking them, and then Kyrie's not really motivating him. Kyrie left to go be the guy. It's time for him to be the guy and turn things around. And if he can't do that, then Celtics are getting bounced. First yeah, round. I mean, I absolutely agree with you there completely. I mean, I think the Celtics could still beat the 76ers. Look, I think the Celtics and the 76ers. I mean, that, that matchup, they always end up. Yeah, and in my opinion, they're kind but of. But if the they s- match up against Milwaukee, which they will have to go through Milwaukee at some point, Giannis will sweep them with their eyes closed. <laughs> they could sweep them with Giannis on the bench. I yeah. mean, honestly, like, the, Milwaukee is legit. They're the real deal. Um, but I really think the problem is with the Celtics is, like you said, I think that. The thing is that these young guys, Rozier, Tatum, you know, Brown, I think that they really came together as a team in the playoffs. I think they kind of built, you know, like they came together and they meshed well and played good basketball. And I think that the fact that they have all these guys together and they're kind of used to playing together. And I think that bringing back Kyrie and Hayward, they didn't want to set, I mean, like we've seen it, Jalen Brown and Tatum look like they're against Kyrie and Hayward always. Hayward looks like he should have stuck to playing League of Legends and not uh, coming back to playing <laughs> basketball because he looks absolutely horrible right now and on top of all that I mean it's kind of what I said to all Celtics fans I said the chemistry and everything's going to be off you got too many good players who need the ball I mean even Marcus Morris I feel like that it's kind of the young guys versus the old guys you know and I feel like the team is split and divided and it doesn't work like that and the Celtics kind of had the oh we have Brad Stevens we'll figure it out well they haven't figured it out and now everything with they don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie they all just kind of feel against him yeah the thing is and if if Kyrie does walk then I'd love to see the year that these young guys will have next year because Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach I think he's the best coach in the NBA but he's just he's not enough for them right now he needs Kyrie to be a leader he needs Gordon Hayward to actually do something what's he averaging like four points or something 
And then these young guys, like I think Jason Tatum will take the next step, but I don't think that'll be until next year when he's able to actually get more time on the court. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, the, one of the things the Celtics pride themselves off is their defense. Their defense has been decent this year, but I mean, they haven't scored the ball particularly well. And it's because there's only one ball. That, yeah, Gordon Hayward's only averaging 10 points per game. There's only one ball that goes around. Hayward's clearly taken away from the productivity of these other guys. He's really had that one night where he had like 38. Other than that, he hadn't done anything. And he looked like he was back, and then he just went right back to doing nothing. Exactly. I think Hayward needs to get out of there. I don't know if he can. I think he can bounce back from that injury, but we more so see players after a big injury where it takes them more than one year to get yeah. back to where they were at. That's like I said, and I'd love to see what this seems like next year if Kyrie mm-hmm. does walk and if Gordon Hayward does improve. Because it's like Brad Stevens is a great coach. Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, Jason Tatum, that's a good core. Mm-hmm. But they just – they're missing something right now. Yeah, it's, it's just off right and now. And they also get the Kings pick, and if the Grizzlies pick falls out of the top eight, they get it. So, I mean, there's still plenty of upside for this Boston team. I think that this year is kind of over. I think Rozier is more so their point guard of the future. I mean, I think they might be able to beat Philadelphia in the first round or Indiana if they match up against one of those teams. I think they could get past them in really the second believe round. I in Indiana, so I'm yeah, with that. without o- Oladipo for sure. I mean, also, though, the Celtics are really bad at home, and Indiana is really, really good at home. So, I mean, I don't even know if they could go on the road and beat them. I, I feel pretty confident, though, in them beating Philadelphia on the road. Yeah. I don't believe in Philadelphia. Um, but overall, I mean, like, we basically hit the nail on that. I mean, there's too much dysfunction in that locker room. It's ne- Nobody's getting along. If I could draw a comparison for anybody from sports, they're kind of like the Steelers. Too much dis- yeah. dysfunction, too much too much to deal with. I think that Kyrie, Morris, and Hayward will all be out the door, and they'll have new players, new squad. I mean, Horford might even be out the door, too. But, I mean, ultimately, the Celtics can figure it out, put together a team. they got a great front office, great franchise, great coach. I mean, I think that if any team can fix what's going on, it's them. That's the thing. with Like, you mentioned Al Horford, too. I haven't really, like – he was more of a leader in Atlanta. Since he went to Boston, he's kind of taken a back seat, and I haven't really heard anything about him lately. Like, he's just kind of another guy. He's just another body at this point. Yeah. He needs to be able to step up and vocalize in that locker room and be a leader if Kyrie's not going to do it. He needs to do it. But he doesn't really seem to be doing it. Yeah, and I think there's problem with depth, too, in certain ways. I mean, you could draw comparisons through different teams throughout the league. But it's kind of different ways in having depth. Like, if you look at a team like the Bucks, they have depth, but everyone knows their role on the team, knows what they're supposed to do. But the Celtics, they have depth, but they weren't able to build their depth and build their team through having everybody available. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like players don't know roles, egos aren't made. It's just all-around dysfunction. So, I mean, Boston's falling apart. I jumped to – you know, NBA teams are like stocks. I sold my stock on Boston a long time ago, and I haven't ever considered buying it back. But actually, a team I think that might be a hot team to buy a little stock on. Finally, we get to it, baby. Our Atlanta Hawks. I mean, I mean, we've been the Hawks. That was a crazy game. First off, on Friday night with all those overtimes we played, had they not have ejected Trey Young? What was that the third highest scoring game in NBA history? Yeah, four overtimes. Wow, I mean, please. that game. The game started at seven thirty. They got done after eleven o'clock. I mean, it was crazy how that game was going. Trey Young's already got ten and four at the half. By the way, right now he had eighteen before they kicked him out before halftime last night, but. Trey Young has been on a tear since the All Star break. Trey Young scored thirty and t- he had thirty and ten against Detroit. He had uh, twenty three and eight against Phoenix the next night. Thirty six and eight against Houston. Thirty six and ten and eight against Minnesota and the overtime victory. He had a buzzer beater that didn't count but closed him out in OT. And then against the Bulls in that fifty six <laughs> had a crazy game. Had forty nine and sixteen. Can't he didn't drop fifty. I was yeah. waiting on it. I yeah, I mean he ran out of gas, but he, he hit did. the big shots. You know, he like did. he did. My biggest thing though is if you look at Trey Young, he has shot above. He's only had one game where he shot above fifty percent from the three point line, which is what we want to see. His three point shot plus over the last month and a half has caught up and his percentage has improved. I mean, what do you think about this team? What do you think their ceiling is? What do you think about our young talent? Oh, I love him. I, it, 
it's kind of pissing me off, honestly, because I really wanted to draft Zion Williamson. I wanted the Hawks to end up with this great pick. But at this point, they're probably good enough to be the eighth seed in the East. They're not going to after the slow start, but they're probably good enough to be the eighth seed in the East right now. With John Collins and Trey Young, the only thing holding Trey back from being a superstar, he's just got to cut down on the turnovers. He's already a young star in this league. But the only guys that turn the ball over more than him are James Harden and Russell Westbrook, <laughs> and they're out here doing things that Trey hasn't yet been able hey, to do. Hey, I don't mind that comparison, yeah, though. To hey, the yeah, there we go. He's in, yeah. he's in good company, I guess. Yeah, and but, I, don't have, I don't really see anything wrong with all the turnovers. I mean, he's a young guy. You know, young guys turn the ball yeah, over Yeah, he'll, he'll cut down on that. But like I was saying, is James Harden and Russell Westbrook are superstars. They're getting more playing time than Trey right now. They're getting, like, they're getting more minutes. They're out here doing all these different things on the court that Trey hasn't yet been able to do, and they're the only guys turning the ball over more. If he cuts down on that, he's going to be a superstar. And enough with the Steph Curry. Get him like don't put him in Steph's shadow. Don't put him in Luca's shadow. Let him be Trey Young. Look what he's done so far in the second half of the season. And then look at John Collins too. He's looking like the steal of the 2017 draft. There's only a couple guys I can think of from that draft that I think are better than him. I put John Collins above Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, John Collins. If they redraft that draft, would easily. He, if I don't. He, actually, he probably, if he didn't go to the top five, he'd be number six or seven. I think he'd top five. If, if we look back at that draft, I think five, six years from now, he would go higher up in the draft. Just right now, you know, people would still say, okay, let's wait on Lonzo. Because, I like, mean, people, people don't really talk about the Hawks. They're just now starting to yeah. talk about the Hawks, too. So, John Collins hasn't really gotten his name out there as much as guys like Lonzo Ball, like Kyle Kuzma, like uh, Jason Tatum. So, But I, he's just as good, if not better, than those guys. So... I think looking back on it, he will easily be one of the top five guys in that draft. Yeah, and no, I think he'll definitely. I mean, that draft is absolutely stacked. I said it would have. I said that draft had at least five all stars in it. So I mean, even if John Collins isn't an all star, I mean, he's still going to be definitely live up to a play. It's actually kind of funny. You were the one who pointed it out to me that I went and looked back at the trend. I remember when I was tweeting about how much better the Hawks had been, and I thought it was just oh, our young talents played better. You know, they're playing better. Like we've seen Kevin Herter start shooting the ball better. We've seen Spellman playing better. Like I've seen the team kind of you know they came together as a team. Yeah. And honestly, I went and looked at it, and that trend when you were like, it's all because John Collins came back. When John Collins came back, we got 10 times better. I mean, this Hawks team is good. And honestly, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm just like you. I'm pissed that we're not going to get Zion. But at the same time, I'm not mad at that we won these games. Look at these teams. Look at Phoenix. Like, look at Phoenix's roster. TJ Warren, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. Like, they have – Ton, like they even had Tyson Chandler at the beginning. Like they had players, and they should have been winning games. Jamal yeah. Crawford. Like the, we didn't develop that losing culture. You know, like if you look at That's the team true. last year, we got rid of almost all the guys from last year's team except for the young guys. We pretty much had a completely like the roster overturn this year compared to last year is crazy. Pretty much Bazemore and Lloyd Pierce Collins. Too, the, yeah, I love having him call the shots. Guy who's done it all. I mean, he's with Philadelphia. He installs all those metrics, everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really feel like, though, that we didn't establish the losing culture, which is absolutely yeah. huge. You know, we said no to the losing culture, and that's what you want. Like, you don't want to establish that losing culture. You kind of – I mean, even Philadelphia, they kind of had a little change-up right before they they yeah. kind of ended the, the rebuilding process. You know, they had a little change-up in front office, a little change-up in coaching and everything. You know, like, I feel like it's a good thing we didn't bring in a losing culture. But, I mean, Trey Young – I think looking back at the trade now, the fact that we're going to get a top eight pick and Trey Young for Luka Doncic, I would do that trade ten times out of ten. I mean, oh yeah, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't too happy about it at the time. Uh, Trey, I apologize. Um, but looking back on it, this yeah, we're going to obviously have to wait and see how that pick mm-hmm. turns out. But Trey Young is Trey and Luka are looking like they're going to battle back and forth, and the people are trying to put him in Luka's shadow. They're saying, all right, which one's going to be a bust? And that's what Trey said the other day. Is he said. You don't have to. Neither of us have to be a bust. We can both be good. You can look at like uh, I'm trying to think. What was the comparison used? Was it 
Magic and Larry Bird, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. He said something like that. But I mean, uh, that too. And Trey Young, like he's ex- more than exceeded my expectations for this year. I think I believe he's sixth in the league in assists. I mean, he's second in rookies in scoring. He's a really marketable guy too. He's really popular. He's mm-hmm. actually getting the Hawks talked about. He's got to do something about the hair. But he's getting people hey, he are talking can... about the Hawks now, and that's something that they that hasn't really been like that. Even when the Hawks were one of the best teams in the league a few years ago. People didn't talk about him that much. Yeah, but I mean, now with Trey Young, people are talking about the Hawks. Exactly. I mean, the Hawks have found their two stars moving forward, which is what we want. I mean, like you said, the Hawks, the, like Trey Young, was better for the culture. He was better for the team than Luka Doncic was. I mean, going into the draft, my big board, I said number one was Luka, number two was Trey, number three was Marvin Bagley. Those are my top three. I put Aiton at four behind all them. And I mean, I've, I mean, that's why I was never really was that mad about the Doncic trade. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I was like, damn, we did trade up the best player in the draft, but at the same time, we could end up getting a top 10 yeah, pick and Trey Young. Exactly. I mean, you have to think the Hawks have both these top 10 picks. I mean, you got to think of two top too. 10 picks and all the money we got. We're going to hit a home run somewhere. I mean, with all these draft picks you have, that's a big thing too. That's why I'm not a fan of giving up your draft picks, and I'm a fan of acquiring draft picks. At the end of the day, if you're acquiring draft picks in the top 20, I mean, yeah, there's guys like – R.J. Barrett's and Zion's who come out in drafts. But there's also guys like Devin Booker, for example. Yeah. He's the 14th pick. John Collins, he's the 18th pick. You know, like you're gonna get value. You gotta think out of all. Out of, if you have five first round picks over five years, you gotta think that at least two or three of those guys are gonna end up being starters. You know, and I like, trust Travis Sling too. I really, I like having him call the shots up there in the front office. I really trust him to make the mm-hmm. right decision in this draft, and I think he's really gonna uh, bring the Hawks yeah, back to being as good as they ever were. Exactly, like, and he's from the Warriors who built their team through the draft, and they mm-hmm. never had a top pick. I mean, Curry was like the seventh pick Thompson was either nine or 11 green was out of the first round you know like like you're saying like we have like that's exactly what you want to see and even on top of all that stuff for the Hawks um we got Lloyd Pierce who like we said was part of it in Philadelphia actually kind of funny thing just popped up in my feed right now as the Nets fans are chanting, cha- or chanting Trey Young's better when Luca was shooting free throws tonight <laughs> but I mean the tear Trey Young was on the last couple nights is a tear that like we see all-time great players or like great players in the league go on not just rookies but for a great player. I mean, he did something only him and Jordan had done the yeah. other night with 40 and 15 plus. So, right. I mean, th- that's something crazy right there. I mean, this he, he was the only rookie since Blake Griffin to have multiple 30 and 10 games. So, I mean, Trey Young is just do, he's doing it night in and night out. He looks absolutely unstoppable, and he's hitting big shots too. I mean, he's cold-blooded. Yeah, and I know it was turnovers that actually put him in the category. We're going to forget about that part. <laughs> we are talking about him and uh, Russell Westbrook. But another thing he has in common uh, with Russell Westbrook is last week he and John Collins became the first pair of teammates, 20 younger, uh, 21 or younger, to drop 30 points in a game since Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook all the way back in 2010. Yeah, so back when Westbrook could shoot. Different types of players, but I like I like having that. Uh, if uh, Trey Young and John Collins can have the impact on the Hawks that Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook had on the Thunder, we're in for some fun years. Absolutely, that's. That's exactly what I'm saying right there, but I mean that's about all I got on the subject. You got any, any other words you want to leave us with before we go here, Bid? Uh, once again, Trey, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, anything negative I said about the draft, you're the man. <laughs> Trey, I've always been with you since day one, baby. But that's all we got for y'all today. Once again, uh, follow me on Twitter at Hot Takes with TP3 on Instagram at TP3 underscore NBA underscore Handicapper. Bid, I appreciate you coming on. Anytime. It's always a pleasure to talk baseball with you. Me and Bid will kind of break things down one more time for y'all right before the season gets kicked off. Be back in a couple weeks. Back in a couple weeks, baby. Once again, appreciate y'all tuning in.